Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of DFV. I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. And today we got a special one, man. We said uh, we were going to like try to figure out something to combine with uh, the new Knives Out film, Glass Onion. And we're like, uh, I was like, we can just watch Knives Out again. Right. Like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> It's a little too fresh to just watch Knives Out again. We we should pick something else. So I said, um, I, I did some background on the film, and I said, well, what what kind of films inspired Ryan Johnson while he was making this? I mean, was it a was it a murder she wrote episode? And then I discovered the last of Sheila, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, when we watch these two films, the 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 influence is just there automatically. Oh, it's so easy to tell how much influence that Rian Johnson took from The Last Sheila because it's another murder mystery. It's one that toys with a lot of moving parts where it's not a singular, oh, who done it kind of story. Mm-hmm. It's it's very intertwined with every character that's in it and it feels like a conclusion that leaves you satisfied at the same time which is something that knives out did phenomenally for a murder mystery yeah so yeah it, absolutely it, it made the perfect movie to compare glass onion and knives out story to absolutely man i mean you know when i watch when i watch a film like last of sheila and i think back on like death of the nile I, this is what I wanted Death on the Nile to be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, something dealing with a boat that deals with everyone connected by, you know, a certain kind of event or or a uh, person and, you know, a whodunit taking place, you know, and I know I know Monsieur Pyro is Monsieur Pyro, but I feel like this was just a terrific mis- These are both terrific mysteries, but um, I don't think we should tease the audience any longer. I feel like uh, what what uh, uh, episode like this as controversial as it is this has to be chronological i mean there's just no question yeah when one movie inspires the other we got to go over the first movie first absolutely uh so you know what i think i'll uh you mind if i take over last of sheila i will let you take over last of sheila okay so we got the last of sheila uh 1973 film directed by herbert ross written by Stephen Sondheim, um, known for all his uh, great Broadway works. And I didn't expect this, man. Anthony Perkins, who played Norman Bates in Psycho, co-wrote this movie with uh, Sondheim. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. I didn't know he was a... Uh, well, I knew he was a filmmaker. He directed Psycho 3. But I didn't know he, uh, I didn't know he co-wrote this. Yeah, this is... Uh, it, but at the same time, looking at it, there are little bits that you can tell that had his influence in it. And then parts of the movie that you're like, yeah, he, he didn't have anything to do with that writing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So brief synopsis, just brief synopsis here. So we got a movie producer by the name of Clinton Green, played by the great John, James Coburn. I mean, there's a lot of great actors here. Um, about a year after the loss of his wife who died, uh, the loss of his wife, Sheila Green, who died in a hit and run accident, uh, he invites all of his uh close celebrity friends uh his close friends in the business uh on a yacht cruise to play a uh a mystery game so we have uh we have actress alice wood we have um her manager anthony wood played by ian mcshane of uh deadwood and american gods fame i almost didn't recognize him mm. when i saw him in this but um we got Rachel welch as, as actress alice 
Uh, we got uh, Christine, who used to be a secretary, is now a successful talent agent. We got Tom Parkman, who was a screenwriter, as well as his wife, Lee. And we have film director, um, older film director, Philip Dexter. So, you know, with the exception of Lee, um, you know, everybody was kind of at Clinton's house the night that his wife uh, was uh, tragically died. So he invites them all over to engage in a murder mystery. And the, the way the game goes is um, everybody is given a certain kind of card. He says, everyone's going to play a role in this game. So you're you're a uh, you, you, who were the ones? It was like uh, you're a shoplifter. It, yeah, shoplifter, homosexual, ex-convict, informer and little child molester. Right. So he gives them all these like little titles and stuff. It says, you're going to play this role. You're going to play this role. We're going to go to a certain port on this island. And um, the person who is the person who has that role, you're not to tell anyone if you figure out the clue or you figure out the the destination point to where the clue is given to you, then the game is over. But the game is only over when the person who knows what they are uh, finds out who they are. So each person is given a certain type of day. So the shoplifter is given Monday, homosexual is given Tuesday and and so on and so forth. So, yeah. So throughout all this, people realize that, you know, there's more than meets the eye here. There's a certain someone creeping around, um, taking note of everybody, you know, and maybe uh, holding a card that may not may have not been exposed at first. And on top of that, Clinton is a very enigmatic guy. He makes a lot of cruel jokes, but he seems like he has something hidden up his sleeves that his friends, his so-called friends, don't know about so oh yeah throughout the entire time he definitely plays the character in the know and is very cocky about that where he's setting up this game he knows the answers to everything and he knows where the end point is and he cannot wait to get to that end point to make his massive reveal so the entire time he's like gather around come on 10 o'clock we we're shipping off we got to get to the island come on boys and girls let's go here's your right. outfits for the day Right, just has like a shitty grin on his face the entire time. Oh yeah, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's why I said James Coburn is great in this. But um, yeah, so going from that, that's the that's basically the movie. And as the film unfolds towards its ending, we find out who actually did uh, you know, accidentally hit and run um Sheila because it's it's been unknown up until this point who did it. And as well as who committed a certain murder of a, a certain character, which we're going to get into. This is DFV. We, we spoil things. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, man, I just want to say, dude, this film, it, it gripped me from the beginning with its characters and its dialogue. Like before we got to the final, final act and that terrific like uh, reveal of everything, like I was like, okay, people are sitting around talking. It's kind of revealed who the killer was. We can end right here. Mm-hmm. But then it was like some little lingering, and I was like, "This movie should have ended about twenty minutes ago." But then we get to the final part of, and we'll get there. But we get to the final part, the final like massive, un massive reveal, and I said, "Oh man, that justified the runtime." Yeah, I like how basically this movie has three final acts, where it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, okay, so that's the finale," and then it keeps going. And you're like, "Oh, okay, there's more," and then you're like, "Oh, okay, so that's the finale." Oh, wait, but there's more. (laughs) 
You know, right, it's like right. a Billy Mays commercial. You know, it just keeps going on and on. And in the best way possible, too. It's not like it keeps dragging or anything like that. It it keeps you interested, even though you already figured out the main concept of the movie. Where, you know, you have the entire thing where they're trying to figure out who's who in this game. And then on top of that, you have the murder that occurs. Where that's solved pretty quickly because somebody admits to doing it. But then it just keeps ramping up from there with how intricate it actually goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the intricacies of this film, man. I got to say, before we touch on intricacies, um, hands down, my favorite actor in this whole movie. I, I love Coburn as a Clinton, but Deanne Cannon as Christine. I mean, she just stole the show. Yeah, the fact that she, you know, she overhears so much information. She's just like, I don't care. Just shut up. Can you guys, like, take care of this in the morning, please? I'm trying to have some fun here. (laughs) Oh, man. There was a a moment where she almost drowned, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody threw the propellers on. And they they rescued her. And she's busted out laughing like, someone someone give me a glass of water and a couple of lesbians. Yeah. (laughs) Stop. She had the best dialogue in this entire film, man. I mean, she just had me rolling. Oh, also, like, right after that, when uh, she's, like, recovering and Clint's doing his big speech and everything, she kind of, what was it? I'm eating solid foods, Clint, don't worry. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Clint's, of course, going, the one thing I hate most is when people interrupt my speech. Right. Going on. (laughs) Like the first time we're introduced to her, we see her in action uh, when she's um, uh, talking to a potential client mm-hmm. and she goes, oh, man, I've been waiting all my career to work with her. And she starts tapping the phone like, I'm sorry, we, we got a bad connection. Oh, <laughs> I said, I've been waiting all my life to uh, uh, work with this uh, uh, person right here in my office, you know, and, um, and in the end, she, she talks to a coworker who, um, you know, has a short hairstyle and stuff like that. She's just very professionally. And she says, uh, okay, so you're going to get on this, get on the phone with this person next time they call and, um, you know, uh, talk like a woman. And the woman just gives her a, a, a blank stare. <laughs> yeah, she is absolutely fantastic in this movie. And she's the comedic effect in this movie when it comes to all the characters. And she's used to great effect, too, because she doesn't show up too often. When she does show up, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, I got to say about the script, man, it's funny because it's like every every character we visit, um, the introduction to every character before they hop on the yacht, we get some kind of glimpse of what Clinton has on them or they're kind of like we get some glimpse of their characteristic of the kind of roles that Clinton assigned them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we touch base with um, Philip, who is the film director, you know, he's shooting the commercial with little kids and, you know, he, he takes the call and then, you know, one little girl sits on his lap or whatever, and he's like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, such and such, uh, this little girl just wet on my leg. Uh, I haven't had that happen to me since uh, Gardot. She was less pissy about it. It's a funny line within itself, but then you realize the kind of role he's given later with the little child, I ain't gonna say the word, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, huh, that might have given a little clue as to, like, 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 is that true about him? Or, do, or is it like they say where he just makes jokes about it? You know, like it, it, it makes you turn your head when we see Alice Wood 
when we see Alice and Anthony Wood, you know, Anthony shows a little bit of his ex-convict side when the, the guy comes up to him with some liquor and he just pushes him away. And Alice is like, why'd you do that? He says, you don't do liquor commercials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, we get little nods to who they actually are. And I love the concept that uh, he took these like background details about these people and mm-hmm. mix them up with different people in order to play this game because he's just playing this like 4d level chess where he's having a lot of fun with it where he's like oh yeah i know somebody in the group's a shoplifter but i'm gonna assign that to this person instead and then this person so somebody you know the person that is an actual shoplifter knows that he knows about the shoplifting and then it makes them think about everything else that's on the cards that everybody else has assigned to them and who's really that person you know it's it's so diabolically evil and the fact that like you said he has a shit-eating grin on his face the entire time just makes it all the much better that you know that he's just going through creating this game just writing this stuff down and going oh this is gonna be great this is gonna be amazing uh especially when go on (laughs) you see him smiling when he's writing all the invitations in the beginning oh yeah (laughs) yeah but then you have uh, what was the first one? That was the shoplifter, right? Yes. Yeah. So the way that they had that, where they were given the key and they had to go through the island and everything to find where the key can be used to solve the riddle. And I love how he's literally just sitting in the room waiting for people with the dummy that had uh, the knife in his back. So, mm-hmm. you know, just waiting there and. I can't remember who it was that popped in first, but he like started going up to it. And then you just hear him talk. Don't touch the dummy dummy. (laughs) And then it it just pans to him being in the same room. And it's like, oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) I love the hint that he gave when when he he was looking. um, I believe it was. uh, Was it was it was it Tom? It was Tom. He was looking at the the perfume bottle. And uh, oh, yeah, I love how Clinton goes. You can't read. He says, yeah, I can read this perfume. Oh, Chanel number... F- oh, you clever dog. Yeah. Chanel number five. And then he goes to the TV and ch- clicks the channel five. Yeah. What is like, this, a closed circuit? Well, it's not black magic. <laughs> how much money did he spend in... How much money did that character spend in those days just to set that up on a channel? Like, I, I, who knows? Like for a game? It, like, it, that, that's hilarious. <laughs> the fact that well you got to keep in mind this is obviously a very rich group of people because he rented out places on what was it six different islands to play this game (laughs) yeah 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 you got to keep that in mind so i I really wish that we would have gotten seen more of uh those than just the first two because those were fun to kind of fun they made the film fun too yeah but yeah. obviously, uh, after the second one, which was the homosexual, we discover yeah. that uh, Clinton has been killed. So it, the entire change is who killed Clinton, which is discovered fairly quickly. <laughs> it doesn't linger that long as uh, it was Tom <laughs> that, you know, uh, puts everything together and kind of like figures out, okay, 
So each of the cards is somebody, it's a different trade for somebody else, but everything adds up and the one that he had was, what was it, hit and run killer? Meaning that somebody in the group was a killer? Yes, yes, but I believe that belonged to his wife. I don't think that was his card because... Um, no, that was his card. Well, it's later revealed well, that that was a well, fake card. So what was his originally? Uh, alcoholic. No, uh, no, 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 no. Not originally, but I mean, like, what? So what was the fake card for him? Oh, the fake card for him was homosexual. For him? Or no, oh, the card uh, that he had give, been given by Clint was alcoholic, but he changed it one. to hit and run killer. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so at, at that at that meeting, it's discovered that um, Lee was the one that uh, that killed Clinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the way that scene is set up because I'm like, I can watch that scene, and I love how Ryan Johnson does this in his films, like uh kind of from the beginning of uh of last onion and knives out like it's like well this is this is everything that happened here this happened to this and this was this and that's that's the mystery mm-hmm. like okay because at my at that point i'm watching the movie and i'm like all right that, that was solid you know that was that was a solid put together mystery i was satisfied mm-hmm. with yeah. that that, that was, was like, a good oh. movie it's still going right. <laughs> but it's still going i got like i look at the runtime i'm like this like it's like 30 minutes left was were they following them through years of Lee being in prison and coming out? Like, right, what's, yeah. what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, but um, I like how he solves the mystery right then and there. And Lee, uh, of course, you know, she has um, she has regret and guilt at what she she's done. And um, then it's discovered that she killed herself. And I was like, OK. All right. So this is this is the end. She felt guilt. She killed herself. Okay, this is the end. All right. A little bit of a downer, but, you know, it's understandable. She wasn't really a killer anyway, so. Right, yeah. (laughs) That it it keeps going. I'm like, where where is this going? Yeah. How much further can this murder mystery go after we've solved the murder? (laughs) Right. I'm like, are they going to get interrogated? What's going to happen? And, dude, I just love the final conversation um, between uh, Philip and uh tom where they finally lay out everything and philip it looks like philip is really trying to understand what happened he's looking at the cigarette but he's like this is stomped out a specific type of way and tom plays it so well like you know what you're right and they're both talking and stuff like that and i love how just you know philip as a director he plays a director in the scene Mm -hmm. like i love how the film plays with that like at one point he talks to tom and he says okay this is where we dissolve as if it's a script, and then the and then the film actually dissolves into a flashback, <laughs> and then cuts back to them talking. I was like, "That's so clever, mm-hmm. like that. That's so clever. Like the way this film is made is ahead of its time." Oh, absolutely! It, the fact that everything kind of pieces together nicely, the cinematography is fantastic, the set making is absolutely great, all the actors are phenomenal in it. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a classic murder mystery movie that I. It is impossible to watch this and not see where Rian Johnson is completely captivated by this kind of movie and goes, "I'm making one of those." You know, this is my inspiration yeah. for Knives Out and Glass Onion, which we'll talk about soon. It's yeah. go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. Um, I got to ask you. So who did you have? 
So who was your fantasy mystery pick uh, before the film ended on who did all of this? See, if originally I had Philip. I had the director as the as the culprit. Who did you originally have? Uh, so basically for this one, it, I, I thought it was just Lee. It, just going into it and everything like that, and it was just going to keep mm. going further into this other conspiracy where maybe somebody helped her or something else. And yeah, I had no clue on Tom. Like it was, that was a huge surprise to me that he had anything to do with it because I saw him as like the detective role in the movie. Oh yeah, he was the, like the most least suspecting here, which right. is great. Oh yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And so, yeah, I had no idea on that one. It came out complete left field to me. But, yeah, I, I basically was like, oh, yeah, Lee, a done deal. It's it's great. And then it kept going. It was like, okay, so Lee failed to do things properly and then ended up still accidentally killing him. Okay, I believe it. Oh, so it wasn't. Okay, well, I got nothing then. <laughs> Right, right. That was just a terrific final twist, man. And I love how uh, <laughs> this shot, it's not supposed to be funny, but it's funny how, you know, Tom is trying. No, no. I, I love the, like, 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 like the way it's staged between him and Philip, where Philip kind of just tells him, like, Tom, I know it's you. And, I, and mm-hmm. I've laid out everything to you about how it's you. Like, I, I love the genius of the photograph and how each person is under their letter and how when you put the cards together, they all come out to the acronym of Sheila, the first word in everything. Because he was like, why is it Why is it little child M? Why isn't it just yeah. child M? You know, and I, I, I love that, man. That was so great. And um, I, I love the, the cutaway, the cutback scenes, like the cutback scenes of him crippling the paper that he was literally given and Kling going, no, 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 no. Keep your keep your thing. But yeah. I like that with, that after Philip reveals the time, like, I know it's you. Philip starts to kind of like walk over to Tom a little bit, like where he's by, where he's by the ice, and Tom just inches away, like, yeah. So, like I was saying, yeah, and he's like he's he's like eyeing his hands and looking at him the whole time, and Tom's just like like walking around like there's no care in like like no care in the world, being being precise but not trying to be too threatening. I thought that was great acting. And then there's a moment where Philip sits next to Tom, and he was like, uh. Well, I know one thing. If I'm going to drug somebody, I'm not just going to throw a whole bottle into the ocean. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he turns around with the puppets on his hands and he's like, I don't have gloves. Yeah, <laughs> which is the craziest like one liner that I absolutely love now. <laughs> right. He says, I didn't I don't have any gloves. And then he tries to choke him with the puppets. <laughs> That's such a funny shot of him seeing his point POV with the puppets around his neck. Right. And then, of course, Christine bursts in and goes, can you guys keep it down in here? I'm trying to, you know, have some fun. It's the last night of the cruise. (laughs) Right. He says, I'm messing with the radio and all I can hear is you guys arguing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) He says, I don't care. Like, you did it. And you know I did it. Like, I don't care. Like, I just want to have fun. Right. I'm I'm trying to enjoy my last day of vacation here. Can you guys keep it down? I need to... They should have made a whole spinoff around the Christine character, man, because she stole the show. Oh, yeah. It, it, like, you know what? Yeah. She's one of those characters, though, that she's great in the small doses. But if they ever like brought her back as like a full movie of that, it, it might get overwhelming. And I don't know. Given the right story, I think she could pull it off. It had to be. The, it would have to be the right story. Oh, yeah. It had to be the right the- story, but 
that right story would be very hard to get everything for a good like hour and a half movie where it doesn't get drawn out by it. For sure, for sure. Um, one thing I love, I love the final line where they're talking and he's like, and Philip is like, you know what? We're going to finance the film and we're going to finance the film from Lee's estate. And, um, and you know, uh, Christina, I mean, Christine says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Tom can write the script. It's no, 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 no. The person who should write the script is someone that's not involved in our circle. Um, we can get someone else to write the script and Tom can do what he, what do you do, Tom? Rewrites. Ah, Tom can rewrite it and be a technical <laughs> advisor. I was like, that's just twisting the knife. Like they put him back into the rewrite game. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that last thought. Oh man. Yeah, it, it definitely comes together very nicely. And it yeah, this movie ends up surprising you in the best ways possible. It wraps everything up nicely. It has great characters in it. What's there not to love about this movie? A little bit of the pacing. I say a, a little bit of the pay. I, it, it pays off in the end, trust me. But I, I think a little bit of the pacing on a first time watch is a little laggy. Uh, there are some moments, mostly in the first like half of the movie, between them getting to the islands where there's a lot of conversations and stuff that just don't lead anywhere that probably could have been cut. But once they get past the second island, the movie is full throttle. It is. It is. I, I give it that. Um, there isn't much not to love about this film. I mean, great script, great dialogue, uh, great directing, too, on um, on Herbert Roth's part. Mm-hmm. It's just an all-around enjoyable film, man. Like, uh, I'm not really a mystery guy like that, but uh, this, th- th- this film in Knives Out got me interested in mysteries. I would, uh, I'd honestly give this a 4.5. Yeah, it's a 4.5 easy, in my opinion. You know, yeah. it's not quite Very at a level done. of a five, but it, yeah. it meets that four point five dead on. I didn't know how this I didn't know how we were going to like this film, man. I was like, you know what? It, it, it's always good to see the film that inspires the 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 newest film that's out. But sometimes that can be kind of dicey. And I, I walked away from that going, that was a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. when it comes to, you know, taking a dart and throwing it at the board and going, well, I guess we're going to watch The Last Sheila. I don't know what that movie is, but sure, whatever. It's it's mm. always a risk. But yeah, this one paid off indefinitely. For sure. Yeah. This might be another Kajillionaire episode. Yeah. <laughs> we wa- we randomly watched Kajillionaire on another uh, episode, Jaw, and that one kind of it very much delighted us as to how good that was. Yeah, that uh, I, I think we both gave that one a five. Actually, <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did give it a five. Yeah, I think that was the first episode where we both actually agreed on a five out of five movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> All right, man. You ready to move on? Oh, I am definitely ready to move on because uh, next on our playlist here we have Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. Uh, this one, instead of having a big uh, release, it came to theaters for a couple weeks and then hit Netflix after that. So one week only. One week only. Yeah, it was. It was one. It was one week only. Oh, okay. So a one week only release into theaters before it hit Netflix. So if you have not seen this one, pause here, go watch it. I highly recommend. 
but uh, jumping into it, we continue the story of the Benoit Blanc, the detective extraordinaire from the first Knives Out story, once again played by Daniel Craig, who is invited to an island retreat along with some other colorful characters who are all a part of a group known as the, what was it? The D, the, it starts with a D. I'm trying to remember what the name they gave themselves was, but a group of people that basically disrupt the, or the disruptors, the disruptors, the The disruptors, disruptors. they disrupt the status quo. So, and on this there, it is hosted by a, character known as Miles Braun, who is basically seen as a fanatic kind of genius who Mm -hmm. is planning a murder mystery for his own murder for all his friends to solve. And, you know, we have Benoit who gets invited to it, not by Miles, by somebody else. And he is there to help solve the murder mystery that Miles is setting up only to have it solved within seconds before the murder even occurs. <laughs> but leading right. on to that, an actual murder occurs, which then throws Benoit into the fray of trying to solve the actual murder of the movie, which ends up still being a secondary murder to a murder that happened previously that we're alerted to. I love how this one has so many moving gears that it constantly is throwing you on your toes the same way that knives out did and Mm -hmm. but yeah when it comes to the basic synopsis uh without getting into the nitty-gritty details that's this movie absolutely yeah man i just want to say that opening i i I was a little thrown off by all the cameos that was happening i think yo-yo ma shows up at one point right yeah um (laughs) I was like, okay, okay, Ryan, flex that Netflix money. I see you. <laughs> flex the Netflix money. I got you. Uh, but I uh, I like how it's introducing all the separate characters that are being invited to this event, kind of like Last of Sheila, and you're getting an idea of each of their uh, characteristics and their personalities. Um, one character who I felt was, like, horrifically underused, kind of like Lakeith Stanfield in Knives Out, um, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, Lionel, who's like the head scientist for um, um, Miles's company. Mm-hmm. At one point, he's talking with, um, I don't know if he's talking with investors or, or if he's talking with people who work with them, but they're like, we don't understand what kind of messages this guy is sending. How are we supposed to know what, what our next project is? He says, listen, man, this dude sent some emojis and such and such, and he predicted Bitcoin. Just go with, it, go, you, go with whatever he sends. No, it just, was uh, NFT equals child. <laughs> Right, right. And that funded the entire project. (laughs) Right. He says, just go with whatever he says and, you know, we'll be okay. So you got him. Um, You basically have the Christine of this movie, dude. Uh, Just the MVP. Um, Kate Husson as Birdie. I Mm. mean, just just terrific in this film, bro. Um, We're introduced to all these characters. And I like how each of them played like this intricate game that Miles puts together. I love the script, man. I love how the script puts this together where um, it's a very intricate game on how to receive the invite that Miles sends to them to his um, to his island. And at one point we cut to um, Janelle Monae's character. Um, uh, is it Andy? Or- it's uh, Andy, right? So Andy was the person that it was okay. going. Yes. Right. So it's Andy. So Andy just stares at the thing. 
grabs a hammer and just and just and just beats it to the point where she just like takes the invite out. Yeah. And like um and I like how there's a running joke with this when um when Bono is at the party and he tells Miles, he says, you know, I, I saw that puzzle box. It was just a bunch of like, you know, um childish puzzles put together and some like uh riddles that didn't that that were uh what do you say juvenile uh, overly <laughs> simplistic right you can see his like ego just deflate yeah because you can because you're like dang is Bono that good but then you realize oh no he, it was given to him that way right yeah <laughs> it, he had no was, idea what the actual puzzles were <laughs> right I thought that was a terrific line of dialogue but yeah I love that opening of showing all the all the original characters in their um their ticks. Like where in Last of Sheila, it showed like their flaws. In this one, it just shows how they're like funny characters. It it, it brings the humor out of their characters, so to speak. Yeah, and I also love how you have like Dave Batista's character, who is like this men's rights activist that's on Twitch. Uh, right, right. Then you have who was the uh, Kate Hudson, who's banned from Twitter because she keeps saying you know very offensive things, and right. I love one of her comments. How was I supposed to know that that was, you know, a slur that I couldn't say? Really? Really? You didn't think that this would be a slur? <laughs> right, right, right. I loved her in this movie, man. Mm-hmm. She stole the show. Um, Yeah, I, I love that opening with all those people. Oh, yeah. So going back into it, I like how when we when we first uh, touched base with Bono, He's on a um he's he's on a call with Angela Lansbury, uh, who's known for Murder She Wrote, Rest in Peace, and Stephen Sondheim, you know, who co-wrote Last of Sheila and mm-hmm. you know a bunch of great Broadway stuff. Rest in peace to him. And Natasha Leone is on the call too. Yeah, she was kind of a standout where I was kind of going, huh, okay. Well it, it made sense to me because Ryan Johnson has something coming out with her, like like oh, like, okay. a, like a series called Poker Face. And I think that's supposed to be a mystery show. So it made sense to me. I was like, oh, okay, Natasha's right there. And uh, I think those are the only three people on the call, right? Uh, no, there was somebody else on the call, too. I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, it'll come um... to us. But um, I like how he's in the he's in the bathtub. And he's trying to uh, play this, um, this Among game. Among Us. <laughs> right, right, right. He's trying to, he's trying to play that game. And... Uh, you know that this this is where we uh we touch base with Bono and I like how Bono, I the thing I like about this film oh Kareem Abdul Jabbar he was the other guy oh that's um, right yes I like how in this film uh Bono isn't like he's known as like the world's greatest detective but he he he's humble with it you know every case he he approaches himself to he he never gets too cocky he goes okay let me let me observe all the suspects here let me dot my I's and cross my T's and let me make sure that I know what's going on here. Like mm-hmm. he, he's always careful with every uh, case he approaches and doesn't get too cocky. Yeah. He also is not a fan of games. He, he doesn't like, cause he also mentions he doesn't like clue because it's just too overly simplistic in its premise. And mm-hmm. it just gets annoying trying to keep track of everything. It's not like a real murder mystery at all. And I love how this plays into when he's playing Among Us and he's just terrible at it. And it even adds a little bit more funniness to the fact that he was even going, yeah, those childish games that you put in that box. 
because he absolutely hates games. Yeah, that's very interesting that he hates games. Uh, I want to talk about... See, and I think that's funny. You're going from uh, the death of a mystery author in the first film to a puzzle clue-like game in the second film. I, mm-hmm. I like how Ryan Johnson subverts those type of things. You know what I'm saying? But um, I want to talk about... Can we just talk about that Ethan Hawke cameo? Ethan <laughs> oh, my Hawk man. cameo. You didn't, you didn't catch that? Where was that? My man, when they, when they was, when they was boarding the ship, the guy that came and said, open, like, open Sesame, he was oh, giving him the... Yes! I completely forgot about that part. And how he just never shows up again. Right, yeah, he, he, uh, don't worry, this will only hurt for a second. And, uh, what was Dave Batista's thing? There's no pineapple in that, right? No, there's no pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> I like how uh, Daniel uh, Beno says, uh, "What what exactly is in that?" He says, "Please open, sir." Yeah, <laughs> you no longer need your mask. But what was that? You no longer need your mask. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes away. Uh, he just he just does that and just like just like pieces out. And God, I completely back. forgot about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he he um he he's got the best cameo in this movie. Um him and <laughs> Serena Williams is pretty funny too. Oh yeah. They're, um, they're in the exercise room and they're just talking cuz at first I was like that can't be moving. That has to be something that Miles just bought. And then you see Serena looking at them. I said, "Did he is that?" And then Serena goes, "Hey, are you guys really going to are you guys actually going to exercise or or what?" Like, "No, we don't want to exercise. We're good." <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of great little mini cami there's so many yeah i completely forgot about some of them that were in here but yeah it's i love how he drops those in and then their characters just go away uh another one is noah segan who kind of appears at just random points in the movie as one of the people that lives on this island Mm -hmm. yeah 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 daryl yeah (laughs) that's funny yeah, I I, uh, I liked him too. So, like looking at this film with your uh, with your first time watching this, so how did you feel overall? Like, how did you feel about Edward Norton as Miles? Uh I, I thought it was good because he definitely played this fake genius very well, and mm-hmm. where he's very cocky about himself, where he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm the king of the world. I'm all that matters." Uh, I especially love how we're introduced to his character as being like this tech bro who owns mm-hmm. his own private island and everything. Yeah, it's it's my car. It's one of a kind. It goes with me everywhere. Why is it on the roof? Because there's nowhere to drive it on the island. You know, it's <laughs> I, I kind of love that that's our introduction to him. Uh, previous to that was other characters talking about him where it's just like, yeah, he just sends these random faxes in the middle of the night. And, you know, how am I supposed to decipher what what this means? What does what is this? Uh, I also especially love the twist with his character where it turns out he's not very smart. And you're like, oh, yeah, Edward Norton was playing that off <laughs> so well, because the entire time I was like, this guy is an idiot. <laughs> But yet he's supposed to be this genius. And then when that's revealed, it's like, oh, no, everything fits into place. Now you're doing a great job, Edward. Don't stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, he he was terrific as Miles, man. And I, like I said, like you said, I love the way they peel his character back. One of the things I love about this film is that everything is not what it seems. All the flashbacks you see, 
things you think you might catch in the in the background are way more um intricate than you think like i love the scene where um andy gets shot and like i love the way they uh when i first saw it and i saw the tear come down Benoit's face i said okay all right so this is where we this is where we start off this is finally glass onion now mm-hmm. we're dealing with the real the real mystery here right yeah and uh i like how he uh I like how when that happens, he um, he uh, he goes, oh, we need to call somebody and stuff like that. And I think before that, the incident happens with uh, Batista's character. Yeah, where he um, uh, started choking and it was like the mystery of somebody was trying to kill Miles. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you got you got Duke down and you got Andy down. And I like how when the when the film revisits that scene as well as the uh, the Duke scene, like it, it just does it in a masterful way. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but as we're introduced to the island and everything, we kind of see everything from Benoit's point of view as he's getting these small right. details and he's, you know, finding out about these people. And I love how when we go back and we revisit those scenes from a different perspective, we get the full details of it. And it's completely the opposite because in one of them we see uh, – whiskey with miles who whiskey is duke's girlfriend Mm -hmm. and we see duke kind of watching or see them through like a window and stuff and duke gets angry and you're like oh yeah because you know whiskey's cheap and then we later find out no duke was telling whiskey to do this to get information from miles and miles refused to give up the information so that's why duke was angry yeah so it's I, i love how they twist around these same scenes to infer completely different information and build up like this idea that anybody could be here but more or less in the end it's everybody's too stupid to actually pull something off (laughs) (laughs) right right like yeah so one of the things i love and i'm I'm gonna touch on um janelle monet's performance as well but i love how when uh Miles sets down to like get everybody ready for the game, the clue game, um, he says, uh, he says, Okay, what, what do y'all think happened? And Bono raises his hand, goes, uh, let me let me get us a try. And he lays out the whole game. Like he Before it even happens. Every- <laughs> it should be noted right. that nothing has happened yet, and he lays out everything. <laughs> everything. It's similar to when Tom and Last of Sheila laid out so this happened here and this happened there. Wait a minute. You did it. You know, mm-hmm. and um like yeah, but no just lays out everything to the point where the fake uh the fake blood comes out on Miles's uh shirt and uh like it's just a terrific funny scene. Mm-hmm. Like the whole expensive weekend has been like 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 uh just just wasted at this point. Right. And I love how he right before that he even asked like Oh, so what does the winner get? What What do you mean? Well, you said winner, which means that there's going to be a prize. Like, what does the winner get? Like, I'm assuming like an iPad or something like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. The, the winner gets an iPad. And then he <laughs> goes into the spiel of solving the murder mystery before the murder has even occurred. <laughs> right. It's hilarious. Um, but I want to talk about Janelle Monet, man. I feel like she gave a pretty great dual performance as Andy and uh, Andy's sister, Helen. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, one reveal that I was not expecting whatsoever 
with it sure. ending up being her twin sister, which adds even more context because up to this point, you just hear a lot of people go, how is she here? Like, how did she get an invite? How is she here? Which leads to the idea of like, she was previously murdered by somebody and there's so many people questioning how she's there, meaning somebody might mm-hmm. know. Uh, it turns out none of them knew at all which i even Mm -hmm. love more that it's more why did miles invite her in the first place to this event Mm -hmm. kind of thing why is she here not so much how did she you know come to be or how did she decide to come to this event when she hates everybody Mm -hmm. yeah i i love it man i love the reveal um (laughs) i like when helen comes to benoit's place and she gives him the like like ruin puzzle box as it is but i like how hugh grant opens the door oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he goes uh goes, yes uh, uh oh yeah uh, he's in here let me go get him for you i i like i just love the cameos in here man i i need to see hugh in in the uh in the sequel i need to see him and uh <laughs> bonoy together right uh Oh, I when we're speaking of like little mini cameos and stuff, we also got to talk about uh, Jeremy Renner's hot sauce and what was it, Jared Leto's kombucha? <laughs> Bro, dude, that's hilarious, man. Because uh, you could listen. I don't know if I can picture it with Jeremy Renner, but I can picture Jared Leto having his own kombucha. Right? Yeah, I can picture it. <laughs> yeah. I love I love how random Jeremy how, ran, how random Jeremy Renner's name is thrown in. Like, yeah, just give Jeremy Renner a hot sauce. Right, you know yeah. What I'm It'll work. A hot sauce that ends up playing a pretty pivotal role in the movie overall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um so I like I like the insertion of Helen. I like how the uh, mystery unfolds from there. I love the paintings that Miles has in his uh in his his main room in the basement with the uh, Mona Lisa. Like I like how he's got a he's got a Kanye painting behind him, mm-hmm. and then he's got a like a very jacked muscle painting on the other side of his wall. Yeah, of him with his right. like face superimposed over it. Uh, he also has like one of those uh, kind of Beatles album kind of uh, covers with the faces, but it's Ronald McDonald. I noticed that one in the background, and I was like, that one's weird. <laughs> hmm, I didn't notice that one. Yeah, it's yeah, like the I, uh, Beatles album cover with the different colors and them all facing and stuff, but it was Ronald McDonald's face instead of them. Right. I got you. Uh, yeah, but I thought great production design here, man. I, I thought this was terrific production design uh, all around. The way they designed the uh, the mansion, the, the clothes, the costumes. I feel like this was pretty well done. The only mm-hmm. crime I would give this film is like two things. I feel like Katherine Hahn and Leslie Odom's characters are like very underused. I feel like you could have did the film without them, mm-hmm. you know, or feel, or combine them into one character. You know what I mean? Because like there isn't need for both Katherine Hahn's character and Leslie Odom's character. Either keep the scientist or keep the the senator. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because they both had their like kind of safety nets that they had to play under. And yeah, they, right. they didn't really both need to be there. Yeah. Now, now Duke is good. Duke and his his girlfriend Whiskey, they're they're good. They can exist together. Peg can exist with Birdie. But I just felt like, man, those two characters weren't given much to chew on. Um, uh, Whiskey, I thought was kind of just a throwaway character at first, but she did end up getting a little bit more in the second half, especially. 
Well, I think that's well. She's a good throwaway character. I, I feel yes. like it, it, it's it's good for Duke to have a girlfriend that's a throwaway character because you can use that girlfriend for what Duke was trying to use her for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so she, she's fine where she is. Um, so is the assistant. But you know, I, I, that's just how I looked at it. But going off of that, um, the whole thing with burning the Mona Lisa at the end. I mean. I, I could I understand it shows Miles being shallow, but I didn't look at that as kind of like a, a mic drop moment. You know what I'm saying? I said, oh, okay, burn the Mona Lisa. Yeah, I think his car falling through the roof was the bigger hit for him. Right. Uh, but as soon as they showed the Mona Lisa in the movie, I was like, something's happening to the Peyton. There's no way that the Mona Lisa is surviving this movie, especially when he has like an, a uh, fail safe deactivation button. It's like something's right. happening. I don't I don't know what, but something's gonna happen to that picture. I thought it was gonna be something grotesque or someone getting their, their hand cut or something like that. Cause the way it just shoots like Oh yeah. I thought something like grotesque was gonna happen. That's what happens when I watch too many horror films. <laughs> <laughs> I think something I, I gotta remember this is a mystery film. It's not not that much gore, like calm it down. Yeah, yeah. You, um, you've been watching too many uh murder kind of movies uh what was the last one we just did bones and all you you were still in a bones and all mood <laughs> i guess so i guess so um yeah overall i thought this was huh, i mean i'd say it's on par with the original i'd say the mic drop at the end is not as strong as the mic drop at the end of knives out but i say this film is on par with the original like uh do you think it's better or do you think it's on par um i think <sighs> It's closer to on par than better. It might actually be just a tinch below it. If I'm going to order them, I would order Knives Out above Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. If somebody's kind of going, which of the two would you recommend You know, watching? It's like Knives Out. If you can only watch one of these movies or you have like a flight that you're going to watch a movie, watch Knives Out. Uh, Glass Onion is great. Watch that on the return flight, but definitely watch Knives Out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, overall, man, I got this as a solid four to me. Uh, yeah, I was kind of going between a four and a four point five on this one. And I it's got to be at a four. I can't bring it up to that four point five. I keep playing the yeah. balancing act where it's like, well, it's it's like a four point two five five six. But it's like, no, nah, it's a four. It's a four out of five. Yeah, it's a Four is good around here. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's a solid grade around here. It's it's a solid four to me. It's a solid four. Uh, uh, one thing that I absolutely one line in this movie that I love, and I'm going to start trying to find ways to bring it into my regular vocabulary is that's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's genius. No, it's just dumb. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I love that reveal. We didn't talk about that where he goes like, you know, it's not even like a. I got a genius twist. It's just, it's just dumb. Yeah. This whole thing is just dumb. He wasn't poisoned. He was allergic to pineapples. You put pineapple juice in your drink and then gave it to him. There's no mystery about it. It's just dumb. Uh, I also love the second reveal of, you know, where it's like giving a loaded gun to somebody and turning off the lights. Really? You got that idea from me. I'm the one that you are gotta be the biggest idiot <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yeah i see that's that's ryan johnson's humor man oh yeah i thought i thought that was pretty funny yeah, yeah we're, overall man yeah it ryan yeah. johnson 
thrives in destroying your expectations and right. i think the humor and the destruction of expectations completely went full force in that like climactic okay, we ending to, we need to settle this is it ryan or ran because you keep saying ran uh i'm pretty sure it's ran maybe i don't know maybe i'm saying it it's, wrong it's, it's r-i-a-n i if that's if that's if that spells ran then that that totally like subverted my whole expectation <laughs> this whole time i've been saying ryan i really think it's ryan is it ryan i'm trying to remember where i got the pronunciation i'm saying from i want to say it was from an interview but at the same time the interviewer could have been saying it wrong and i just been flying with it ever since so he's just so he's so so ryan johnson's just an interviewer's guy saying so mr ryan johnson you know i i love watching this film he's just smiling the whole time it's the guy just mispronouncing his name right yeah well that was happening with uh steven young for a while i think yun is actually the wrong pronunciation of his name and he brought it up on like some interview and i think it was conan and conan was like ever since i've met you i've been calling you steven yun and you're telling me that i've been saying your name wrong this whole time you never corrected me and he was just like well yeah it just i never had an opportunity to say that you were saying it wrong <laughs> that's funny that's funny um yeah, I mean, I think when it all comes down to it, man, last of Sheila wins, and I think it's it's not a bad win. It's a very mm-hmm. smart film. It's oh, a very absolutely, smart original film. Yeah, a Glass Onion is smart too. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like looking at its influence, like Last of Sheila was kind of miles ahead of its time. Uh, yeah, when it comes to finding out what movie inspired Knives Out and Glass Onion, it's it. All the connections are there. You can tell exactly where he got inspiration for certain things, certain themes, certain kind of twists and aspects to it. The Last Sheila is definitely the playbook for a murder mystery and how a murder mystery should be done. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. All right, man. Heading off into the after show. Uh Hey, you've seen anything? I've I've seen a couple things. You you seen any new movies? So I have not been seeing any new movies. I actually went back and watched a couple other movies with uh, friends and everything like that, older movies, but mm-hmm. nothing new. Just kind of rewatches of different stuff. <laughs> well, which which what'd you rewatch? Uh, Step Brothers. Uh, just went through like a All Will right. Ferrell thing. Was doing Step Brothers and uh, Everything Must Go. Uh, which was See, you haven't seen that one? No, I heard that's the dramatic Will Ferrell one, right? Yeah, that was when he was trying to do something a little bit different, where it was about him breaking up with or getting a divorce, and the wife mm-hmm. threw everything on the front lawn, and so he's just sitting there, and he basically has a yard sale of all his stuff except for what can fit in his car, so he can leave to go somewhere else. How is that one? I never saw that one. Ah, uh, it's decent. You know, it's okay. I don't know that Will Ferrell would have been my first pick to play the role in that one, but he does mm-hmm. well. It, it just kind of feels kind of complete opposite of what you're normally used to seeing with Will Ferrell. You know, right, when you think right, Will Ferrell, right. you think Step Brothers or the recently released Spirited, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a Will Ferrell thing. Um, mm-hmm. Everything Must Go is completely out of left field for his character. And it, it kind of works. He's not bad in the role, but it just feels right. weird. It, I, I know he tried to do the dramatic thing another time with uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Like, I, that's mm-hmm. another film I think I started, but I don't think I finished. And I, when I was watching, I was like, all right, you know, Will is good in this. Um, but 
Okay, yeah, I've always wondered about that movie if it was good, but I'll I'll take your word that it's solid. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's it's a run of the mill kind of movie. You're not going to get anything out of it that makes you go, "Oh man, that was amazing." But you're not going to go back and go, "I want my time back." Where how how do I reclock that in? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, uh, speaking about great B movies, I saw Megan. How was it? Is it something I oh, actually man. need to see? I think you would enjoy it. I think you would you would enjoy it. It's 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 a it's a great B horror movie. Um, okay, you know it's it it, it you get <laughs> uh, you get what you get. What you see in the trailer is what you get. Uh, you don't get any more or any less. I'm not saying the the, the trailer doesn't ruin it for you. It's an mm-hmm. enjoyable watch. But I'm saying like that this it's not gory. You know it's PG-13 and uh, it has some nice humor in it. Some nice uh. Nice chills. I wouldn't say nice jump scares, but it's a nice, creepy story about an AI, a AI doll going wrong. It's a very clever, fun script. So I, I, I say it's a nice B-movie watch. If you find it on streaming and you want to rent it, go ahead. It's not bad. It's not bad to watch with you know your significant other or family and friends. Uh, well, family and friends that like B- PG-13 mm-hmm. horror films. But yeah, it's, 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 it was a solid movie. I enjoyed myself. Okay, so you're basically saying wait for streaming, check it out if you like those kind of movies, but there's no need to rush to the theater kind of thing? You don't have to rush to the theater, but if you're at the theater and you don't want to see Avatar 2 for the eighth time, <laughs> uh, check out Megan, man. Get, give Megan some love. You know, so yeah, you're I, only I on your eighth time seeing Avatar? <laughs> no, I've actually seen it twice. <laughs> uh, some people out there have seen it like almost, they, they almost in the tens. <laughs> I can believe it. Uh, yeah, man, but um, I want to say it's a solid three out of five. I, I enjoyed it. Oh, okay. Uh, I dude, I saw a film on HBO. I don't think it's on H. It's on HBO Max, but I think it's originally an HBO documentary. Uh, the director behind it is taking some heat right now, but the film is. I would. I would definitely recommend a documentary called "This Place Rules." This place rules. Yes, it's it's directed by I believe his name is Andrew Callaghan. But I want to make sure that's his name. But anyway, This Place Rules is a documentary on uh, HBO, uh, HBO original documentary about um, the events that led up to the uh, January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. So Andrew uh, Callaghan, who uh, directed this, he has like a he has two YouTube channels. He has one called All Gas, No Breaks and one called Channel 5 News. He has like uh, a very like only Channel 5 News. All Gas, No Breaks is owned by a completely different company that actually kicked him out. There you go. I stand corrected. He has worked with All Gas, No Breaks. Yep. And Channel 5 News is his. He he merged on to do Channel 5 News. Thank Which you. is partially owned by Tim Heidecker and uh, Eric Wareheim, I believe, as well. Okay, so he's partnered up with them for the Channel Five News channel. So a lot of the same stuff that you saw with all breaks, no gas, but uh, you know, it it belongs to him now. (laughs) Okay, all right. And Tim and Eric uh, produced as well. Yeah, he has a very satirical style of um, of uh, of of, he has a very satirical documentarian style, and Mm -hmm. you see that in this film. As he uh, chronicles the events that happened to January 6th, as he's he's he deals with different subjects. You know, one part of the film deals with Alex Jones. Another part of the film deals with a, um, a, a Trump family that believes in all these conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Uh, one part deals with uh, um, 
not Antifa, but what was the oh the Proud Boys? Oh yeah. Know. Another well, another scene deals with Antifa too. It looks at all facets of just like the the clashing that happened within America during the Trump era, dude. I think it's a very it's a very strong documentary. I would give it a five out of five. I enjoyed myself watching it. It, it gave me Borat vibes um, on, on the political side of things, and I, I liked it, man. See, I remember when this was first announced, I was all in for it, and then I just completely fell off my radar. Uh, I didn't realize it actually released, but it turns out it literally just released December 30th of last year. So literally at the tail end of the year. <laughs> yeah, man. Co-produced by Jonah Hill, A24. Mm -hmm. um, your boys, Tim and Eric. Great movie, man. Right under 90 minutes to 82 minutes. I mean, it, it doesn't take up much of your time. It's a very fast watch. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. That might be my uh, tomorrow movie <laughs> to watch. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm thinking about seeing House Party with the wifey. We'll see. I'm, I know Donald Glover's brother, um, who he co-wrote Atlanta with, Stephen Glover is co-writing it, as well as another... Uh, Donald Glover collaborator, uh, Jamari Olori, I think is his name. They mm -hmm. wrote the script. Um, you know, it's a remake of the Kid and Play film. So I might check that out. That might be funny. Other than that, I'm really just, I don't know. I don't know. What else am I waiting on? I know I talked about this with you. But I think I might check out House Party and see what else comes out this month and just look forward to February at this point. Yeah, I know that uh, Women Talking comes out this week, right? I believe. Women Talking. Uh, I believe so. I believe it is coming uh, out. Yeah, January 20th. So yeah, that's this week. Oh, and Missing. Missing. We're going to we're we're singing Missing together, aren't we? Not together, but Oh yeah, Missing. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right, so Missing could be good. I think Missing's going to be good. But other than that, man, that's pretty much uh, what I got going on. Perfect. Overall, I'd All say right. a good week. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right, y'all. It's been another great episode of DFV. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, follow us on our socials. Uh, let us know what you think wins out here. Do you think Glass Onion wins over Sheila? You let us know. Uh, don't forget to watch movies. Have fun. And uh, take care. <laughs>